Dark Corner. Hello listeners and welcome to Dark Corner. My name is Kyle Kaufman and I'll be your host in this episode. This episode isn't going to be like our traditional episodes where I read you a scary story. This time, I'm going to talk to you about one of the most haunted towns in America. A town I grew up in. It's no wonder I grew up to love the horror genre. I thought this would make an interesting episode because it is a spooky town and there are spooky stories that have happened in this town that are true and... uh Since I grew up there, I thought, why not? The town is called Alton, Illinois. That's A-L-T-O-N, Illinois. Alton, Illinois is known as one of the most haunted towns in America. Due to its murky past of murder, war, death, and destruction, several locations, including the McPike Mansion, Mineral Springs Hotel, and Milton's School, are reportedly haunted. Some of these haunts date back before these properties were even built, with Native American ghosts and a residue from a possible underground railroad. There are so many different buildings and stories I could tell you from this old town, but for the sake of time, I'm going to talk to you about a few in this episode. I spent a lot of time researching for this episode, and I have to say I am surprised of some of the stories that I learned. I didn't even know about some of these stories. I I knew the town had folklore, and I knew a lot of the hauntings uh, I grew up with being told When I really dug deep into it for this episode, I was shocked. There's so many things that happened in this town. Anyway, we'll get started. So to start, you need to understand where Alton is. It's located right off the Mississippi River, basically right next door to St. Louis, Missouri. Think of the Mississippi River as a border between Missouri and Illinois, with Alton being right on the border on the Illinois side. It has a brutal past, and that's why most people think it's haunted. There are dozens and dozens of stories I could tell you of Alton's past that I've recently learned through research, but we don't have time to dive into all that. But I highly encourage you, if you want to know more about one of the most haunted towns in America, to look it up and do your own research. I promise you will not be disappointed. Alton was developed as a river town in 1818. Being so close to the Mississippi River, this town was conveniently located and many traveled for goods and services with steamboats. But we're going to jump in time for the sake of this episode and start with the Alton Prison. In 1833, Illinois State Prison in Alton was built as the first state penitentiary in Illinois, opening with only 24 prison cells. But by 1857, the prison was closed and replaced by a new state prison in Joliet, Illinois. At the time of its closure, the Alton Prison had a total of 256 cells. Female prisoners were also incarcerated at Alton Penitentiary. From 1835 to 1858, 65 women and 3,000 men were sentenced to Alton. Female prisoners endured the same degrading conditions as the men. So then the American Civil War happens. The real mayhem began in 1862 when the U.S. government reopened Alton Prison to house Confederate prisoner of war during the Civil War. The prison housed over 11,000 prisoners during the war. Deaths at the prison were common, and prisoners faced harsh conditions and regular outbreaks of diseases such as smallpox and rubella. The suffering in the extreme heat of the summers and frigid cold weathers in the winters is unimaginable. 
Over 1,500 Confederate soldiers and many Union soldiers and civilians are known to have died at the prison, which sat right next to the Mississippi River. The conditions were horrendous during the Civil War, as there was overcrowding and diseases spread fast. Pneumonia and dysentery were also known killers, but smallpox and rubella spread like wildfire. Smallpox is a highly contagious disease that can spread through prolonged face-to-face contact with infected persons, infected bodily fluids, or contaminated objects such as bedding or clothing. And with the prison being so overcrowded, you can assume bedding wasn't being cleaned regularly. The disease was everywhere. Hundreds of those that died in the prison were buried on an island called Sunflower Island, which is a massive land that sits in the middle of the Mississippi River between Illinois and Missouri, right next door to Alton. The Alton prison finally closed in 1865 and was later demolished. All that remains of the structure is a section of a wall that can be seen today in Alton. At that structure, many people report to this day seeing shadows of men walk on the stone walls at night. Even though the rest of the prison was torn down, the limestone bricks of the prison, well, they weren't unused when the prison was demolished. They were used as several foundations of homes built after 1865, including high-end mansions and retaining walls in Alton. Historians believe the negative energy in the limestone of the murders and suffering deaths it witnessed in the prison is all part of the reason Alton is so haunted. One of the most iconic homes in Alton that every single resident knows about is called the McPike Mansion. Listed as one of the most haunted houses in America by the Travel Channel, the McPike Mansion is no stranger to anyone who grew up in Alton. I can vividly remember so many stories of hauntings and paranormal activity at the four-acre property growing up. Thousands of people and paranormal experts have descended on the grounds, hoping to catch a glimpse of a ghost, and many of them have stories to report. The mansion was built by a man named Henry McPike in 1869. McPike was a successful businessman who could afford to build such a lavish mansion, and at one time he was even the mayor of Alton. The mansion has three stories, 16 rooms, and a vaulted wine cellar. History tells us that the McPike mansion would stay occupied with the McPike family until Henry's death in 1910, and then his family would continue to occupy the home until around 1925. The home had several owners until Paul Lashinger purchased the home and remained here until his death. I'm hoping I'm saying that last name correctly, Lashinger. Legends tell us that Paul would rent out rooms to drifters, passerbys, and locals until his own death occurred inside the mansion in 1945. Some of the previous residents have come forward and saying they had seen the ghost of Henry McPike himself in the house, and there is said to be the ghost of one of McPike's servants, who died in the house decades earlier, though it is unknown the cause of her death. I have went through so much research trying to find out who this person was and how they died, and the only thing I can come up with that's consistent is it was a female servant, and I believe the current homeowner has named her Sarah. So anyway, having so many different tenants over the years when Paul rented out the rooms, this has led many to believe some of those tenants may have even died in the mansion during their stay. So, I know it sounds like the murder house in the first season of American Horror Story. So other than Mr. McPike and his servant, who we think maybe is named Sarah, what other spirits lurk behind the walls? And who 
or what really haunts this mansion. It is believed that there are a total of 12 spirits that haunt the mansion. Some of the spirits are believed to be a woman who died in a bathtub, though the cause of her death is unclear. According to author Tori Taylor, who wrote the book Haunted Alton, History and Hauntings from the Meeting of the Great Rivers, one of the ghosts is Paul Lashinger himself. Having been a heavy smoker and passed away from the consequences of smoking, the smell of cigarette smoke can be smelled when his spirit is around. Also in this book, the current homeowner told author Troy Taylor that she once was watering plants outside and looked up and saw a man in the upstairs window looking towards her. The man vanished. Then she was later presented with a photograph of what Paul Lashinger looked like, and she was shocked to see it was the exact same ghost she had seen from the window wearing the same clothes he was wearing in the photograph. Did he die the day that photograph was taken? We don't know. Other people who resided in the mansion as Lassinger's tenants he rented rooms to have claimed to have heard children playing in the halls and on the staircase. Which is odd because the mansion had reported no children after the McPikes. Maybe these are the spirits of the McPike children. According to the Little House of Horrors website, McPike Mansion, during a ghost tour in the cellar, a woman descended the stairs on a tour group, wearing a blue gown, floating a couple inches above the ground. Her feet were waving as if she was a ballet dancer. Perhaps this could be the woman from the bathtub. The mansion has been owned by its current owner since 1994, and no one has occupied the home since the 1950s, but many have tried to restore it and failed. I remember when I was in high school, friends of mine had said friends of their parents hired a contractor to restore the interior of the mansion. They lasted three days because one of the construction workers saw a hammer floating in the room in broad daylight and took off down the stairs never to return. Other construction employees complained of missing tools, tools that were just in their possession minutes ago. They say the spirits of the house do not want any new visitors moving in and they try to stop anyone who tries. According to some, most of the hauntings have been reported to occur in the wine cellar beneath the mansion. I've been told that part of the reason the McPike Mansion is so haunted is because its foundation was the exact same bricks that were used at the Alton Prison when it was torn down. Not to waste these limestone bricks, they were recycled and used as foundations for many of Alton's homes built after 1857 and harbor negative energy from the horrendous conditions they witnessed at the prison. The McPike Mansion isn't just famous to the locals. It was featured on an episode of Ghost Adventures entitled McPike Mansion that aired as a special in 2019 on the Travel Channel. The team of paranormal investigators explored the home and its property. The structure also appeared in the series Scariest Places on Earth. It was also featured on Season 1, Episode 7 of Fact or Faked Paranormal Files and an episode of Ghost Lab. Today, visitors can visit mcpikemansion.com where they can learn more about the Haunted Mansion and check out their monthly events. They also have camping events on the grounds and even host ghost stories in the cellar at times in a bonfire. <laughs> Do you dare go and visit? I've actually never been inside the McPike Mansion, but the last time I was in Alton, I did go to the grounds. And I have to tell you, it is a very eerie sight. And if you do go to their website or just Google McPike Mansion, uh, you'll see what I'm saying. The house looks dormant, but it does feel like there's activity there. So anyway, do with what you will with the information.
Okay, now we're going to talk about the Mineral Springs Hotel. As written on their website, riversandroutes.com, Mineral Springs Hotel, one of the oldest buildings in Alton is the Mineral Springs Hotel, mixes the spooky, the spiritual, and the historic, and now it's businesses, shops, and events unlike any place in the region. The haunted building, built in 1914 by the Luir brothers, broke ground originally to become an ice warehouse for their meat packing company, but when the brothers started digging in the bedrock, a natural spring was hit. Taking advantage of the popular 1800s fad of healing mineral spring water, the brothers instead began building a hotel and spa. A bottling plant was built in what would become the lowest sub-basement of the building, around five levels below the street. The plant sold curative bottle water and was shipped to 12 different states. The Mineral Springs Hotel was built on top of the bottling plant, layer by layer, opening for businesses the following June. The finished structure was in an Italian villa style comprising of over 100 rooms. There were bathing pools for swimming lessons, water polo, and spa rooms for taking in the sulfur-rich mineral water. At the time of its opening, the hotel boasted it had the largest swimming pool in the state of Illinois. The pool supposedly once attracted more than 3,000 people in a single season. The lavish hotel was five stories tall, with terrazzo floors, marble staircases, and art glass. The luxurious complex enjoyed success through the 1920s, new rooms being added in 1925. That same year, an orchestra was hired to play on Sunday afternoons and for evening diners. The hotel was sold by August Luir in 1926, but continued to thrive, finally beginning to deteriorate in the 1960s. In 1971, the Mineral Springs Hotel finally closed completely due to negligence and poor upkeep. Seven years later, in 1978, the neglected building was restored by Robert Schubert, who developed the building into a shopping mall. Businesses have come and gone, and a resurgence of life have been breathed into the old venue. But stories surrounding the Mineral Springs abound. A story exists of a woman named Mary, who is known as the Jasmine Lady. She's a ghost that smells of floral perfume and is thought to be the Fallen Mary. Many visitors report smells of jasmine perfume near the location of her death. It is said she was having an affair and was caught in the act by her husband at the hotel, and he chased her out of the room and down the hall, and she fell or was pushed down the stairs, falling to her death. I'm assuming she cracked her neck. A 17-year-old boy called Clarence has been encountered near one of the building's pools and stories of a 10-year-old girl named Cassandra having drowned in a pool at a birthday party. Tiny wet footprints have been seen by the pool and marbles will roll on the incline of the now empty pool as she wants to play. Another spirit named Charlie haunts the crystal ballroom ball area. Charlie was supposedly an alcoholic who chose to repay his debts by painting the mural inside the barroom. The stress of debt collectors and his spiraling alcoholism led to Charlie's death. He is said to have hanged himself in the ballroom, but other legends say he shot himself. Other local legends say a woman named Pearl checked into the hotel during its prime, went to her room, and killed herself by overdosing on purpose. No one knows why. And these are just a few of the known documented spirits to haunt the Mineral Springs Hotel. Many paranormal investigators have toured the property, catching electromagnetic readings, electronic voice phenomena, and photos of unexplained occurrences at the Mineral Springs Hotel. Today, the hotel has been turned into an antique mall and is home to multiple new age and bohemian shops, 
The restored ballroom at the mall hosts many events, including weddings and paranormal evenings. Can you imagine getting married in an over 100-year-old hotel that has many documented spirits? Maybe bring one home with you. <laughs> so it's now called the Mineral Springs Mall, and it is considered to be one of the most haunted locations in Alton and the state a close contender to the famed McPike Mansion, which I spoke about earlier. Visitors and tours and building employees regularly have strange encounters, everything from move objects or objects appearing in place they shouldn't be, being touched by unseen hands, strong feelings brought on suddenly for no apparent reason, and even shadow figures, all included in your visit if you go to the Mineral Springs Hotel, which is now the Mineral Springs Mall. As mentioned at the beginning of the Mineral Springs Hotel story, the Luir brothers opened the hotel, and I do have a ghost sighting from one of Alton's residents, Kathy Wolf, about August Luir's house in Alton. This is what she had to say. August Luir lived in a mansion on Washington Avenue in Alton. By the 1970s, the mansion was in disrepair and dilapidated. I was 17 and my boyfriend, now husband, and I used to walk by the mansion many times on our way to downtown Alton. One day it was really cold and snowing and my boyfriend was like, hey, let's check out the old house. Maybe we can get in. I was kind of hesitant because it kind of looked dangerous, but I was cold. My boyfriend said he had heard it was okay and that people would go in there to party. So we walked up to it and decided to look in the window. There were no curtains, if I remember, or they were drawn to where you could see right in. It seemed like the window was kind of high, so we had to either jump or tiptoe to see inside. Well, did we ever get the surprise of our life? All I remember was an old lady with clothes on that looked like they were from another era walking toward the window. The look on her face was as shocked as ours probably was. The room looked like it had a couple pieces of furniture in it, but that was all. I remember screaming and we both ran as fast as we could. We never made it downtown. We ran back to my parents' house and told my dad about it, and he said the house hadn't been lived in for years and was falling down. I don't exactly know what we saw, but it looked surreal somehow. We avoided walking by that house for a long time. We took a different route downtown after that. Finally, our curiosity got the best of us, though, and we decided to walk by there again, but the house was gone. It was demolished. I'm 68 years old now, and every time I drive by there, I always think of that old house and that cold wintry day and wonder. You hear a lot of stories about the Mineral Springs Hotel being haunted, which August Luir owned, and there is a story of a kidnapping that happened to him from the house on Washington Avenue, but now the old house he lived in is long gone and forgotten except for someone like me. Thank you for sharing your story with us, Kathy. I would like to know more about this August Luir kidnapping, though, but we don't have time for more of that on this episode okay moving on to our next haunted attraction let's talk about the milton schoolhouse another haunted building which opened in 1904 and remained open as a school until 1986 in the 1930s a girl named mary attended the school she stayed late one day working on a school project by the time she realized dusk was upon her she decided to pack up her supplies and head home so her mother wouldn't worry that she wasn't home for dinner as she walked down the dark halls, she realized everyone had left, probably not realizing she was still in her classroom quietly working on her project. There were no teachers or students left in the building. 
She knew the double doors would lock behind her as she exited the building, so she wasn't concerned about being stuck inside, except Mary wasn't alone. There was a man in the building, and he realized he was alone with her. As Mary made her descent for those double doors, the man popped out of the shadows and grabbed her. She never made it out of the building. He brutally raped her and murdered her. According to author Troy Taylor, which he writes about this event in his book that I mentioned earlier, Haunted Alton, History and Hauntings from the Meeting of the Great Rivers, her body was discovered the next morning, having been beaten to death in the basement where the girl's shower room was. Many days had gone by, and the police department did confirm that Mary fought back, and the killer would most likely have scratches on his face. As they interviewed potential suspects, one of the school employees had been missing from work for about a week after the incident. Turns out it was the janitor, who did have scratch marks all over his hands, in which he claimed were caused from his cat. A couple days later, his body was discovered in the school, hanging from a rafter in the hallway with a note around his body that said, I did it. No one knows for sure if he truly did take his own life or some local vigilantes saw that justice was going to take place. But it is rumored that the janitor was a known pedophile and worked after hours to not be around children. There are so many different urban legends regarding this story, such as local officials covered up the murder and the hanging of the janitor because they felt responsible knowing he was a deviant. Or it's a good old ghost lore being passed down from generation to generation without any proof. The fact of the matter is, records weren't kept well in small towns back then, so a cover-up could be highly likely. Today, the Milton Schoolhouse still stands and has been turned into a glass factory in the 1990s, and today, a mix of apartment and commercial spaces, including a coffee shop, occupy the building. People that have worked in the building have stated indeed eerie things happen inside, including shadowy figures appearing on the walls, unexplained sounds, a young girl's spirit often appears validating Mary's story. One employee even stated an evil spirit lurks, and you just know when it's around. The room grows cold, and you feel a heavy weight on your shoulders. Could this be the spirit of the janitor? Or is it safe to conclude that a schoolhouse that's over a hundred years has seen a share of deaths inside, rather natural or murder. So I have another story someone sent me uh, that lives in Alton that uh, is unrelated to the Milton schoolhouse, but uh, just in a house in Alton because there's so many of them that have haunted stories. Her story is, we have a haunted ballerina doll in my mom's karaoke cabinet. Growing up, it always shift from one corner of the shelf to the other, turn around almost like it was dancing. It is one of those precious moment figurines. It would take days for it to move. My mother always assumed it was just shifting because of us kids running around the house and the floor shaking the cabinet. But it was the only one that ever moved. One day when I was 12, my aunt was visiting. My mom had stacked the kitchen tables and chairs in front of the cabinet to mop the kitchen floor. The ballerina came up and my mom was joking about how it was haunted and it moved. We all had a good chuckle about it. My mother and I walked my aunt out when she needed to leave, and when we got back upstairs, the figurine had made a complete 180 turn or with her back facing us. Only me and my mother were home, and she can confirm all of this. She never moved in the cabinet again. I hear things and stuff moves in my own house I own. It was built in 1935. I know of one death in the house. My friend's grandmother owned it and passed here before I bought it. My mother currently lives here, but I'm here often to take care of my mom. 
As for stuff we have seen and heard, my mother sees what appears to be a child in the doorway or sitting on the chair next to her bed. Just last night we heard what we thought was a child giggling in the living room. Doors close on their own. I hear knocking often around the house like someone's knocking on the door. Nobody is ever there though. I've seen shadows out of the corner of my eye here as well. I can smell baking sometimes too. These are only a few of hundreds, if not thousands, of stories that have occurred in Alton, Illinois since 1818. If you have some time, look up the town. There is so much history, and a lot of it is very, very bad. It's no wonder the town is haunted due to its murky past of murder, the Civil War, the overcrowding of the prison, death, destruction. The stories go on and on. And I highly recommend the book Haunted Alton, History and Hauntings from the Meeting of the Great Rivers, written by historian and ghost writer Tory Taylor. I referenced him and his book a couple times in this episode already because it was used as part of my research. So looking for somewhere to go this Halloween season? Visit Alton, Illinois and learn more of the spooky town. These stories don't even cover the surface. But before I end this episode, I do want to say the town of Alton, Illinois isn't all bad and spooky. Sure, there are the documented paranormals, but the town isn't all bad. Fun fact, the tallest man in the world, Robert Wadlow, was born and raised in Alton. He, to date, is the tallest man to have ever existed in the world, coming in at 8 foot 11, and he lived uh, between the 1920s and 30s. I believe he died at 22 years old. In Alton, you can also trace the footsteps of the Underground Railroad and the town's role in helping enslaved men and women find their freedom during slavery. To this day, underground passages are still being discovered during renovations of old homes and buildings, from homes to churches, and many are available to see in sightseeing tours reminding us of the brutalities of slavery in America. It also was the town that Abraham Lincoln visited for his debate with Stephen Douglas as the two of them ran for President of the United States. This small town has so much history, and I encourage everyone to visit at some point. I am proud to have been from Alton, Illinois, and I lived there the first 20 years of my life, and I love to go back and go on all these little spooky walks and go research buildings and find out things that I never knew growing up, but I love it going back as an adult and a big horror fan. I just don't recommend visiting Alton in the winter. It's too cold. <laughs> all right, well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Haunted Alton. I know it was a little different. It wasn't a traditional scary story that I read you, but it was multiple scary stories of ghosts that just happened to be true. Or are they? Lots of urban legends, lots of folklore, but a lot of documented spirits by ghost historians. Uh, anyway, uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. This is Kyle Kaufman, your host of Dark Corner. Until next time, have a hauntingly good week. This episode of Dark Corner was created, produced, and edited by myself, Kyle Kaufman. Our opening music was composed by Mauricio Perdillo. Background music during read provided by Mule Tami from freesound.org. This has been a Sebastian Films Unlimited presentation. You can visit our website at www.sebastianfilmsunlimited.com and find us on Instagram at Sebastian Films Unlimited.